Welcome to Downstage Center, a production of XM Satellite Radio and the American Theatre Wing. I'm John von Susten, Program Director of XM28 on Broadway. And I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing. We're very happy to welcome Patrick Cassidy to Downstage Center today. Patrick's currently starring on Broadway with his mom, Shirley Jones, in the revival of 42nd Street. Patrick has a long and extensive uh, theatre background, having appeared most recently on Broadway in Aida, and also in uh, many other shows, including Annie Get Your Gun, Pirates of Penzance, Leader of the Pack. You know him from his television work. He was a series regular on NBC's Bay City Blues, CBS's Dirty Dancing, HBO's Perversions of Science, and the WB's Smallville, not to mention Emmy nominations for the TV miniseries Dress Gray, and also the TV movie of the week, Oklahoma City, Something in Common, and Christmas Eve. Patrick, welcome to Downstage Center. Thank you, John. Thank you, Howard. It's a pleasure to be here. And I have to say, my press agent is very good. You've got my bio down to a <laughs> Well, I read the, the abridged version of it. It goes on and on and on. It's longer than my arm, which well, is pretty oh, long. Oh, that's the thank you. It's, it's, you know, I guess you, if you survive long enough in this business, you, you eventually build up a, a nice little resume. Patrick, your press agents have been uh, very clear about saying that you and your mom appearing is the first time in Broadway history that a mother and son star together in a Broadway musical. That's correct. Yeah, it Do is. Do you think there's a reason for that? How is it going? Uh, it, <laughs> it's going magnificently. You know, um, you know, we didn't know when we started when the when the job offer came into my mother first, actually, and and she talked to me about you know should I go back to New York and do a Broadway musical? And I said, yeah, absolutely, it's great. And she says, I don't know if I want to work that hard. She was she was a little concerned about it. And I said, Mom, it's a great opportunity. And then she said, I, I'll never forget these last words. She said, well, I'll do it if you do it. And I said, well, I haven't been offered it. And she says, well, what if you were? And so, sure enough, I guess the producers caught wind of it. And and then, uh, you know, it came to because me. Because your mom called the producers? And well, said. her agent, you know, her agent said, you know, because she, she'd, I had never seen the show. And I, and I knew that Jerry Orbach had played the lead in it, but... I, you know, I was back. I was 19 at the time. I was doing Pirates of Penzance, and 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 then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're, oh, I'm his age now. I could do that role, <laughs> you know. So I, um, so they they inquired about it, and the, and 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 it came to sort of fruition. And now, and then when we found out that we were indeed the first mother and son to do a Broadway musical, star in a Broadway musical together, it's very exciting. I mean, it's very exciting. You get to break a little new ground. I get to yell at my mother all night. It's really quite nice. <laughs> Kind of therapeutic. Maybe. Oh, beyond! <laughs> I canceled all my therapy for the next five months. You know, at, at <laughs> the very end of the show, when you're taking curtain calls, you and your mom are holding hands. That must be really satisfying for both of you. Yeah, well, especially in lieu of the fact, like I said, that we're sort of in confrontation all evening, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it's a nice moment for the audience to see that. Oh, it's, oh, yeah, they really do like each other. And it's been great, not just doing the show together, which has really been fantastic, but the whole process of being in New York together. We live in a brownstone. I'm on the bottom uh, sort of duplex with my with my family, and then my mother's above me. And so we go to the theater together every night, and we have dinner together, and we will go have a drink or we'll meet with uh, other friends and family. We have an extensive family that lives in New York. Um, and just being a part of the whole New York, New York com- community and the theater community has really been a wonderful thing for she and I as a mother and a son. And I'll tell you, in a sense, I felt your father was on stage with you. For people who don't know you, your dad, Jack Cassidy, mm-hmm. when you were singing Lullaby of Broadway, you were standing downstage center, literally, mm-hmm. and I was looking at you with the way you were made up, your pinstripe suit, your your hair slicked mm-hmm. back, gray hair. I saw your dad up there, especially your profile. Yeah, so, I, I, man, he looks so much like Jack startling. Cassidy. Yeah, yeah it, it really you know, was. You know, one of the things in, in, in during the course of my career is I, I've... You know, as an actor, you, as you prepare for something, you sort of like, look, well, what could I, what could I take from in my life? 
and and um, and and and, uh, and apply it to this role. Well, when it, when this Julian Marsh character came to me, and I started reading the script in the '30s, and this director, and I thought. This is my dad. I said I could do <laughs> this. Is my dad is the prototype for this guy. I said I just see it, and sure enough, as I started working on it and, and the dial and the cadence of him and stuff, then when you know we, they started putting together the costume and the and the hair thing for me and my hair, you know my hair has been going gray since I was twenty five and my father went prematurely gray too. He was totally gray at like twenty five, twenty six, but I kept coloring it to sort of young up for a role and then I'd well I've started to, my age has started to catch up with my hair color and I <laughs> and I and I and I saw my hair for the first time I let it like kind of go its natural color and then they gave me a nice little piece and I said oh my god I'm starting to really look like him mm-hmm. so between that and like I said the preparation for the part it just it it's taken on its own sort of thing and it I feel like I'm doing ba- basically you know my version of Jack Cassidy I think. Now, for for the benefit of people who have not seen the show yet. Can you just explain the role you play and the role your mother plays? And, you know, we're talking about this confrontation, so maybe we need to. Well, it takes it takes place d- during the thirties, during uh, this serious depression, as we all know. And and I play Julian Marsh, who's this um, driven, tyrannical director, who has hasn't had a hit in a while, and he's and he's been given the money by this oil tycoon guy who um, who my mother who played who she plays Dorothy Brock she's this sort of star that's kind of been fading um, and she, and her boyfriend is backing the show well I don't want her in the show to begin with but she's got the money behind her so there's this constant conflict from the get-go um, and and basically he you know it's about it's 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 to eat I mean this show has got to be successful the stakes are very high and but during the course of the whole evening, my mother basically's dancing ability is gone, and 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 you know so I have to sort of choreograph and direct around that, and then she breaks her ankle at the end of, at the end of the first act, and then we we you know the company comes we, instead of closing the show they come up with this idea about letting a star be born, and we take out the young Peggy Sawyer out of the chorus mm-hmm. and put her in the lead and put the dancing back in, and but there's this like I said wonderful conflict specifically in the first act between my mother and I. Um, as to who's going to be basically run the show. Well, your mother, who of course starred in the Partridge Family, is a quite different sort of a character. Um, is now playing a diva, oh. in fact, a fading diva, mm-hmm. I guess you would say, mm-hmm. and the worst uh, kind. <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah. So it must be quite a, a difference for her to play that role. And and she loves it. I mean, you know, so many people cast her as the as the girl next door, or the woman next door. You know, she's American apple pie. And my mother, to get the ch- a chance to play that kind of like tough, you know brassy woman mm-hmm. is really a treat for her and she's having a, a blast doing it and uh, and like I said <laughs> we're having quite fun just getting to sort of go at it every night with with each other well what was the rehearsal process for you how much time did you have and and how did you define yourselves because suddenly you're going from obviously years of experience being mother and son to to working in a very different way and you've only appeared on stage together once before I understand right when I was like I I when we did my mother did a, um, a summer stock company the sound of music when I was 15 and uh, you know I wasn't an actor or anything but she I was getting ready to turn 16 and I had to get a car and she says well you're gonna have to pay half your ca- car and working at the local you know ice cream store wasn't gonna pay me enough to for the half <laughs> the car so she said how would you like to come on the summer stock tour of the sound of music she was playing maria and i i got to play rolf you know and uh and i did it just to sort of you know make the money to 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 up for the car and then um and then i left and that was the first time but it wasn't and when i turned you know when i got out of high school and i decided i wanted to be an actor um i came to new york and i got cast in a show and i was studying and doing that i did the theater thing and this is the first time in 38 years that she's been on a broadway stage the last time was with my father 
So it, it's kind of been a role reversal. I've kind of been the one showing her sort of the new ropes and the new challenges of the theater and the things that make it easier, like the idea of not having to hit the back row every night, that you have a little you know, microphone at mm-hmm. the top of your forehead and you can really use it. And so it's really been, uh, for, for her and for I, a, a wonderful, um, like I said, role reversal and me showing her the ropes of, of the new age of the theater. But we got to rehearse for two weeks prior to starting rehearsal and we went every day I would go over to her house and we would run the lines and, and sort of get you know get to know the character and get to know the dialogue and then we started rehearsal and we had a benefit like I said because we came into the rehearsal process completely off book and then Mr. Uh, Mark Bramble the director um, just guided us through and, and, the, and the stage management and the production people and the Dodgers have been all incredible in terms of welcome, welcoming us into the show and al- allowing us to be a part of it. I've heard that she kind of didn't want to return to Broadway. She didn't want to leave Los Angeles, didn't want to be on the road, so to speak. Yeah, you know, as she felt at her age, and she wasn't sure she could do it. Eight shows a week is a difficult mm-hmm. grind, as as we all know. She, um, But, you know, I think initially she was a little nervous and scared, and but now that she's here and she's sort of into the New York flow and stuff, she's really enjoying herself. You know, her dog actually arrives today, and that's going to be, she has this beautiful golden retriever named Buff, and he, he arrives today, and that's going to be a tremendous asset for her, I think, on a day-to-day basis. And, um, and you know, like I said, I'm there, and then my children will be here, and my wife will be here permanently, and then, uh, you know, she'll have the whole family in one place. How about her husband, Marty Ingalls? Yeah, he actually, he arrived here, here yesterday, or on Sunday, and, and he's a New Yorker. You uh-huh. know, he was born and raised here, so, but he's even adjusting to the city again. It wasn't like when he was growing up in Brooklyn, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It's a different deal. So, um... But it's good to have him here, and like, and, and my brothers have all come in at different times, and and, uh, and we have, like I said, various family members. All the Cassidys from my father's side of the family all live um, throughout New York, Long Island, uh, and they work on the railroad, the Long Island Railroad. There's been a Cassidy on the Long Island Railroad for the last 75 years, hmm. in either uh, an engineer or on the union, everybody. Right. Yeah, so. And a few on the stage as well. Uh, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> This is your first time that you were last on Broadway doing Any Get Your Gun. That was Yeah, except I made a brief stint. I had done Aida in the national company for a year. And then um, I came into it was really I'd, I'd finished the show for a year on the we did in LA for four months and it was great, which was great for me to do a show actually in my home. And then I came in uh, town to do an episode of um, a Law and Order SVU. And while I was here, uh, the Disney called me and they said um, Adam Pascal was out of the show. He'd hurt his back. And would I come on Broadway? Like in the, I hadn't done the show in two months. And I said, and oh. it was literally like, uh, can you come in tomorrow? Yeah, it was that kind of thing. And I ended up doing it for a couple of weeks. So, it, but it was great. So that was the last time I was, you know, uh, specifically on Broadway. And then before that, I had done Anna Get Your Gun for about six, seven months. Well, what's the experience? Because you, these are shows that you've come into. They're exist, they're existing productions that you've come into at various times. And whether with Forty Second Street, of course, you had the benefit of coming in with one of the other leads mm-hmm. being new. How does it work for you when you come into an existing production? You know, there are pros and cons to both. Originating a show is so great because it's all done on you. When I got to do uh, Assassins and, or Leader of the Pack, those were, I, I originated those roles. So it's you build it. You build it with the other creative people involved, which is a tremendous advantage. I mean, you get to... And then everybody gets to watch and hear your voice and what you do, and they sort of, you know, um, they, they, they tailor it after that. When you come into this really well-oiled machine, you have to sort of fit... Now, within that, you know, if you if you have a, a, a director who's open to, to your ideas and stuff, as Mr. Bramble was uh, for me, it's great because 
you, everything's done, everything's up and running, but then then they sort of fit you in with your ideas and stuff like that. You can be it can be um, limiting sometimes, but in this case it wasn't. It's been, it's been great, and like you said, you know, coming with my mom, both leads, it was it was nice. They you, you know it was this great um, well oiled machine that she and I fit into, but we brought all our own deal to, and um, and they've the, the company has responded wonderfully. I'm very curious. I've I picked up on something. You keep referring to your director as Mr. Bramble, which seems <laughs> a uh, it's, it is very respectful, and it's not something one hears anymore in the business. Um, where does that come from? Well, I, when I when I'm with him, I call him you know Mar- Mark, and but um, but he is. I mean, he wrote he wrote the book to this show, and um, and and he he is the director of this show. And I would call Mr. Sondheim Mr. Sondheim. I would call Mr. Bramble Mr. Bramble. I would call Mr. Merrick if he were still alive, Mr. Merrick. You know, it's 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 a part of the uh, the theater way. When I when I'm referring them in a rehearsal process, I would call them you know by their first names if they if I so could. But in this case, you know, he's not here, and I'm talking about him, so he is Mr. Bramble. Now, before you went into the show. Did you see it as an audience member, or did you not want to see it? How somebody else did the role? No, because yeah, you said you'd not seen it. I had never, yeah, I had, in, in, in I had never seen back, a production yeah. of it, I, which was rare for me because I I pride myself on being something who's you know an avid musical theater and theater goer. And in this case, I had never seen a production of Forty Second Street. Um, they flew us in when we, when we decided to, to want to be a part of it. They flew us in to see the show, and I was knocked out. I mean. Let's face it. There are there just are so few shows of this left where you see a the quintessential American musical and where you see every dime on the stage. I mean, huge sets, gorgeous costumes, gigantic songs that people know and love, and dancing and dancing and dancing galore. I mean, they just don't have shows like that. I said to the producers the first week I was here, I said, I'd, I'm amazed the show would ever close. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect musical in the sense that if you've never been to a musical or if you've been to a musical a hundred times, you, you want to see this. Because I had a friend who came who runs the Naked Angels. I mean, he, he's a theater goer. And he came yesterday to the matinee. He says, you can't see this anymore. All the money is on the stage. And it's it's just wonderful to be a part of it. So so I came and I was absolutely blown away. And, and blown away, too, by the part because it's a part that a lot of people – wouldn't it, within my industry, within the industry, would not normally see me in, and it's really nice to get a shot, a shot at doing that. And somehow, the costume designer got every sequin in New York on that stage. <laughs> yes, they it did. It is probably the brightest, glitziest show since a chorus line. It's absolutely true. Yeah, 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 and 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 it goes from you know number to number to number. I mean, you know, the, in in one scene is, is you think it's it's big, and then the next scene gets a little bigger, and it gets a little bit. I mean, it's it's gigantic. And people of a certain age, such as myself, sit in the audience thinking of Busby Berkeley and all those right, great exactly. dance routines. That's oh, exactly absolutely. What the show is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's one number that is just fantastic. It's the title number from the show, Forty Second Street, and it's the one of those big brassy chorus numbers which I think is just great. It's great. Great. Yeah. And he gets to Julian Marsh the character I play actually gets to it's a wonderful moment for him at the end very end of the show I get to have this sort of moment on stage. It's a little bit of Rose's turn without the mm, the long, as you walk But up. yeah, it's a wonderful moment for yeah. him, you know, to sort of do the last reprise of that song. Well, I thought maybe we could listen to the Revival cast of the show. You're not on it, of course, because the recording was made a few years ago, but of that song, 42nd Street, just as representative of the show. Great, great. XM28 on Broadway, Downstage Center. That, of course, the title song from 42nd Street. I am John Von Susten, along with Howard Sherman. We're talking with Patrick Cassidy. Howard? Well, Patrick, you you mentioned earlier we were talking about that 
uh, the difference between creating a role and coming into a show. So let's let's talk now about some of the roles you created. Leader of the Pack, which dates back to about 84, 85 season, as I recall. Correct. That was your first opportunity to create a role? Right. And it was, um, you know, it was the music of Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Berry, who were those two great songwriters from the 60s and just wrote countless, countless great melodies from Leader of the Pack to Be My Baby. Um, I, my, my t- I had two big production numbers in, this, in the show, Hanky Panky, which I believe was Tommy James and the Shondells did it originally, and then uh, Do Wah Diddy, which was a Manford Man song. And and it was fantastic. I mean, you know, dancing, great great 60s dancing and, you know, so singing like this, which was kind of cool for me. And um, and and um, but and, and a great opportunity, you know, to to to, like I said, originate a role and, and it was created on me. And and then and then the follow up to that was I got to do originate a Stephen Sondheim piece, which well, was Assassins. Well, let's stick for a minute with with Leader of the Pack. That was a show that began really as a cabaret show, correct? Down at the bottom, at line. The bottom line, and sort of grew into into a big Broadway show. Um, and just wondering, at what point did you join it, and and where was it in that show's growth? It was. It had been very su- successful down at the bottom line, which I was not a part of. And then, um, at the time, Nell Nugent and Liz McCann, the producers, saw saw it down there and saw all these people going crazy at the bottom line at the sort of review, you know, cabaret show. And they thought, let's take this uptown. This is this is a, and you know, it was it was it, not a first, but it was the beginning of those kind of shows. You know, a buddy. Um, there's a lot of shows like that now. I mean, Mamma uh, Mia. Yes, yeah, really. what I'm going to say. Yeah. You know, Queen has a. Uh, they're trying to do the music of Queen. Is a sh- you know, there's a million of those shows now. Um, and at the time, we were one of the first ones to do it. And Michael Peters, at the time, who had worked, uh, he was this co-choreographer on Dreamgirls. Um, he was the director choreographer, and they went to Los Angeles to cast, and they cast myself and Diana Manoff from L.A. and Diana played the young Ellie, and El- and the real Ellie Greenwich was in the show. She came out at the end and did about five or six numbers like mm-hmm. a medley. And um, and I got cast, and and uh, and the two of us sort of uh, got, came into the bottom line company, which was this fabulous company of singers and, and not really dancers, but unbelievable rock singers, you know, Patty Darcy and um, uh, and Darlene Love, Darlene Love who originated yeah. all those songs originally with Phil Spector and all those people, and it was the story they put this little loose book in, which was it was it was it was more of a review than it was a, a, a typical book musical, but it, like I said, with those songs and the band we had. Which eventually went on to be like I guess most of the Saturday Night Live players were those guys, and uh, um, it was fantastic experience. And you were coming out of that. Now you'd done Pirates of Penzance prior to that, mm-hmm. but you're still you're in your early twenties when mm-hmm. you're doing this show, mm-hmm. and obviously you're coming out of a family with huge performing experience. Mm-hmm. But these were really when you stepped out. Was 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 these shows? Yeah, you know, I I my career in New York has been such an I think an interesting sort of strange actually in the sense that I never had a residence here. I kept a sublenting apartments and I got known in Los Angeles as a New York actor. <laughs> but the truth is my home was always Los Angeles. I rented 12 apartments between the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> this was my 12th apartment, the, the one we have wow. right now. And um, and it was it was actually kind of great for me because I constantly, when television wasn't happening or if I wasn't doing something in film, I'd constantly come back here and do a show. 
or do something regionally or something. And and that was that was my career, and it's been my career. And I've and I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's been so great to. I'd actually my wife is from Connecticut, and we've thought many many times about making you know New York our home mm-hmm. or Connecticut our home, and just working in the theater. But it's a difficult thing to do, you know, I guess to sort of have a just theater, solely a theater career, especially today. Now, your mother, of course, is probably best known for her film work, mm-hmm. Carousel and uh, Oklahoma. And, and, and that Man. sitcom. And the sitcom, too. Oh, yeah, that little sitcom. As well. Yeah, that That's little right. sitcom. The Partridge. What was that, Partridge? Uh, if you're of yeah. a certain yeah, yeah. age, it's pretty, right. yeah. And, and your, dad, your dad best known for his stage work. Exactly. You are right now best known probably for your stage work. Mm-hmm. Is that a conscious decision on yeah. your part? Yeah. When I got out of high school... Uh, I had many record producers, many uh, people in the record world that wanted to do an album with me and sort of put me in the cookie-cutter teen idol mode based on my brother's careers. Um, didn't even know I could sing or, you know, didn't care. You just had the name and the look. That's, That's exactly all right. Yeah. He fits the spandex pants. Let's put him <laughs> in it. And I, I, um, I, at the time, I had a really smart manager because when I decided I wanted to be an actor, they said, no, no, you've got to go to New York. You've got to focus on trying to get some longevity to a career, and and I was a lover of the theater. I had you know I I I had done my first sort of high school production when I broke my collarbone my senior year in high school from playing football, and I got heavily ensconced in the drama program, and I got bitten by the theater bug, and I thought you know this is something I really want to do. So I moved here when I was 19, and subsequently got cast two weeks later in the Pirates of Penzance. I was just very lucky, mm. and while I was starring on Broadway. With these, you know, savvy veterans like Estelle Parsons and George Rose and Treat Williams and all, I would would study in the daytime, and I would learn on my feet at night. And I just happened to have a nice kind of pop voice, and it was right for that. And I was very noble and earnest, and you know, kind of naive, and and it worked for Frederick. And and then um, and then I learned. I learned on my feet and learned. And then I subsequently lo- I would go, you know, and I would go back and do something on television. Then I'd come back and do something regionally, or I'd come back and do New York. And it's and that's been my 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 road. It's interesting. You grew up in a showbiz family. Your mom and your pop, both you know, actors, actresses. Um, if you had not had that football accident, broken your collarbone, do you think you might have gotten into showbiz? Or did, you, did you have other things in mind for yourself? I think I might have gotten in, I probably would have gotten into show business, but it would have taken some time. I probably would have gone, say, four years of college and uh-huh. done the whole f- football thing and, you know, God forbid, you know, come away f- with it with, you know, uh, s- some minor injuries. Um, but I eventually, it, I think I would have ended up doing – it's something – it, it, you know, I mean, it's it's sort of corny to say it's in the blood, but it is. It's it's what I grew up watching. It's what I look at my children. And they, you know, you s- they see their their father, their mother, their grandparents, their uncles. Everybody's on television. She, so you assume this is what everybody does, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 it's and it becomes it's 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 you know it's it's a way of life. It's it's but it's a, it's our job. It's what we do, and it's what I it's what I love to do. Do you think your kids want to go into theater or, or oh, movies? Oh, I'm, I'm trying to persuade them in every way not, not to. to. But, but if <laughs> they, why? Why if, would you say that? Well, the same way my mother did, and the same way my father did, because as wonderful it is, is it has been for myself and my my family members, it's a very difficult business. As we all know, you never know when your next job is going to be. You therefore never, and if you want to have a family, and if you want to, you know, put your kids through college, and if you want to give them everything they 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 want and everything that you'd like to give them as a parent, it it makes it for a very difficult uh, a very difficult dynamic that way. And um, but by the same token, if they decide that's what they want to do, I would be the first to support them. I'd be the first to you know show them and introduce them and give them every 
advantage I could having been in the business. Are your children of age now that they could make that decision, or are they still young? No, they're still very young. In uh-huh. fact, they're they're right now obsessed with learning the game of baseball, and uh-huh. uh, and um, I'm just I, and I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying being a dad, and you know, taking them. I'm going to take them to Central Park this summer a lot, taking the Yankee games, and we're going to have a good time. And you and your wife are not going to be like Mama Rose and Gypsy pushing the oh, kids out no, on no, stage. Oh no, 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 no. We do. I'm <laughs> telling you, we really go the other way as much as uh-huh. we can. I mean, by the same token, they're not dumb. They see, oh, look at all the attention Daddy gets when he takes a bow every night and stuff. So you know, and that's what we, what I saw. You now, know. Have, have they seen their dad and their grandma in yes, 42nd they, Street? Yes, they came, they came to see. And my eight-year-old now, who you know is was totally riveted by it, loved the dancing. I think he had he'd he'd um, regretted not taking mommy's tap class. We have a, we have a studio in the back of our house, and my my wife teaches every now and then kids. And he was like you know putting his tap shoes in the closet, and not coming to class. But I think he regrets now having seen the show and all the well, fabulous. Well, he's dancing. he's eight. He can probably That's, still get back yes, on the I think horse. He can. I but think but he can. again, I'd rather have him with the mitt than with the tap <laughs> shoes at this point. Now, how about when they see you and your mother in costume and makeup and the wigs, whatever? Do they like go? Oh my God! Or do they freak out? Do they laugh? What, what no, they, they. I mean, they get it's pretend. They get the whole uh-huh. concept of yeah, what it is yeah, and did. stuff. I think they they really enjoyed my costume in Annie Get Your Gun. I think they like the holsters and the guns and the hats <laughs> and the cowboy boots and the chaps. And um, although the the Julian Marsh thing. Now it's interesting. My five year old, who my who was named after my father. His name is Jack Cassidy. My five year old. Um, he has gotten the i've you know i've showed him pictures of my father and he knows who he's named after and all that and he he said something so interesting to me when he saw me in in the in the pinstripe suit and the wig he said he said daddy you look like your daddy Mm-hmm. You know, now he knows his grandpa as my as my stepfather, but he knows that that my father, who's his real his biological grandfather, um, he knows from photographs, and he saw, which I thought was very interesting for a five year old to sort of take in and look at. He thought that he said, "You you look like your daddy." So I thought that was really so. Great. When Howard and I saw you on stage, we both saw your father. We weren't the only ones that got the no, connection. no. I get it all. <laughs> the well, time. if the five year old got it, it's a good thing we know. <laughs> yeah. that's true. Now. <laughs> Coming off of, of the family discussion, I want to come back to it. It seems a particularly fitting year for you to be working here in New York because uh, a project that you did originate many years ago has just made its way to Broadway, mm-hmm. and that's that's Assassins. Um, it's a show that that people not many people had a chance to see. You did the original Playwrights Horizons production, and there was also, you did a concert version of it in L.A. at some point? Yeah, no, they did a production of it in oh, Los Angeles. Oh, it was a full production? Yeah, it was a full production. It was a non-equity production at first, down at the LATC, which was the, the uh, theater center downtown, and um, it was a non-equity production, and then they decided, it got huge reviews, they decided to make it to move it to the bigger theater and make it an equity contract. And I got a phone call from the director down there um, about would I be interested in the booth role. I had originated the balladeer. And and I said, absolutely. So I went down there and... Um, and I and I talked to them about it, and I ended up doing it, and it was it was great. I got it was a wonderful. The the, the L.A. Times gave a, re, a wonderful review, and um, but and you played Booth, in yeah, that I production. got to play Booth. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it was really great, really great to say. And then um, you know Victor Garber, who was the original Booth, and I got to do the tribute at Carnegie Hall to Stephen Sondheim, and we got to sing the Ballad of Booth with this fifty-five piece orchestra that Paul Gemignani conducted. And it was wonderful. I mean, it was really a chance because at the Playwrights Horizons production, you know, we didn't have an orchestra. The only time we ever got to do it with the orchestra was when we got to do the album. And uh, so, yeah, it's um, it's such a close part of my life and my heart, that show. 
I'm really well. Why don't we take a second and or a couple of minutes and play a track from the original Off Broadway cast recording with you as the balladeer? This is the ballad of Cholgosh. It's the ballad of Cholgosh, and my voice is basically up here, which is kind of nice. You'll hear. <laughs> could, could you set up the scene for us? Is yeah, that because ba- that was the voice you chose to use? That was for the, the voice role? I chose to use. That was the voice Mr. Sondheim actually found in me. Uh-huh. You know, I thought I didn't realize I was such a tenor. Uh, the ballad of Cholgosh is about Leon Cholgosh, the um, the Polish immigrant who shot William McKinley in 1903 at the Pan American Exposition in Buffalo, and he was this um, this immigrant who thought that McKinley was sort of living off the land and while his, you know, his comrades in arms were dying around. And so he went to the Pan American Exposition and he stood in a line and he was eventually got to the front to shake the president's hand. And when he got there, he'd wrapped a handkerchief around his hand and then shot the president. And the balladeer, the character that I play, um, is, uh, is sort of talking about that to the audience. He's the link between the audience and these assassins. From Assassins, the Ballad of Trollgosh. Patrick, what what was it like being in Assassins? It's such an intense show. It was, and at the time, you know, uh, I mean, they, you know, Joe Montella said something I thought that was so extraordinary in his acceptance speech. Is he, you know, he thanked the 1991 production uh, of that show and and the cast and, and, and the people, and I was so taken with that, and as was I, fellow Assassins of the original production that <laughs> I've spoken to since that. Because it was a, a, a first. I mean, not only are you, are you getting to originate a, Son, a Stephen Sondheim piece, but you're getting to originate something that's very, you know, controversial. And and um, and but you get to d- to do it. It was it was a labor of unbelievable love. We were all very close and still are. I mean, I see all, Debbie Monk. I just saw it the other night. I sang with her at a, at a benefit, and Lee Wolkoff and I have um, lunch all, all the time. So, um, it, it was really a fantastic chance for an actor and for a performer to, to get to be a part of. Do you feel the show in 1991, I guess it was, mm-hmm. may have been ahead of its time? Yes. Now it, it just won five Tonys. Yes. Back then... Was it premature on Broadway? Well, you know, it, the funny thing is, is we had a long preview process at at Playwrights, uh-huh. and but we and the first two and a half, three weeks of the preview process, people were laughing, people were just they were in hysterics, you know, loving it, loving it, loving it. You know, two days after we we opened, two days or three days after the Gulf War broke out, mm. and all of a sudden, you know, the country was at a much different time. Now, in in recent events, you know, and I know that this production has gone through their whole thing after September 11th, it was canceled. So on. It's still a, a very, I think, tense subject to go to the theater and watch and laugh at and stuff. But I also believe that the message of the piece that both John and Steve were trying to convey back then, they have conveyed now, which is that they're not in any way condoning going out and doing this, not glorifying these people. These people are crazy. But they're saying, look at a society. This is a society that breeds this, and why? And that's, and that's you know, I think essentially what they were talking about then and they're talking about now. I'm sitting here with uh, an interview that you did in 2000 in which uh, you were quoted as saying, Victor and I have joked that other people will get the payoff of that show. People are going to say, where has this been? What a genius. And that's going to happen. It's going to be revived and it will be successful. <laughs> I saw you at the opening night. Mm-hmm. That's when that success became most apparent. Mm-hmm. What was the experience for you of of watching that show? From, it was from the house. I I have I have nothing but like I said, wonderful feelings about it. It is, it, it, you know, it's funny. I ran into to Mr. Sondheim that night, and the first thing he said to me, be even, even before hello, was, "This must be very weird for you." Hmm. 
And it, I guess he's right, or it is. It, it, it's, it, it's, I am so happy for both Steve and John that it has come to Broadway and it's gotten its due. But that cast of people that I got to perform with back in 1991, I will never get that chance again. It was a f- phenomenal company of people, of actors and performers. And like I said, we got to create something that had never been done. And, you know, I cherish that. And I, I just wish that all those people, the production people and that cast, would have been re- rewarded for it too. And I think that we are on some level right now by the fact that it's gotten its due. Well, you're in New York. You're living in a in a brownstone, I guess. Your mother's on one floor. You're on another That's floor. Right. And I want to know if you've inquired about selling the sitcom rights to that idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, we'll see, we'll see how it turns out. We'll see if it's funny by the end of our stay. <laughs> <laughs> right now, you're still getting along. Yes, it's, it's, it's all good so but far. But you have from now till August 1st, I understand. Correct. That will yeah. be at 42nd Street. On 42nd Street is where the theater Quite is. Quite appropriate, the, the Ford Center there. Oh, which on is that, what a theater that is. It's a beautiful is. theater. It's been totally redone, I guess. Unbelievable. Garth Dravinsky, I guess, when he put Ragtime mm-hmm. in there. Yes. Un- just absolutely magnificent uh, show and theater. And I was sitting there in the audience thinking, I have never seen more set pieces. How many uh, scenery pipes do they have for all those different pieces that fly in and out? It is so loaded with scenery and flashing lights and spangles and bangles and all that. It's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. that it is. Yeah, it really is. is. Yeah, and I think they employ more dancers in that show than all the other Broadway shows combined. Oh, yeah. I think between between cast and crew, because my mother and I are talking about throwing maybe a little party before we go for the cast Uh and crew, it's somewhere within the area of like 120. You know, one-third stage matter ever been around. It's That's a wow. big company of people, yeah. That's amazing, yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think you want to do after this show? You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving being in New York. I'm loving being here. I'm loving working in the theater. Uh, I would stay, uh, you know, obviously if there was a role that came up that I that I was, you know, right for. And and they and, um, and like I said, my wife's from here. I, I'm not sure. I have an idea right now. That we're, it's actually we did a presentation for it, which is a talk show mm-hmm. between, from a gay man and a straight man's perspective called He Said, He Said. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, yeah. So we, we shot a presentation for it. So they're going to so shop who, around. Doing it, uh, do you, who, who would be? The other guy is Jason Graw. Oh, Musical theater performer. Fan. Mm-hmm. He was one of the original Forever Plaids. He was in Ragtime in Los Angeles. Fantastic talent. And it would be very, it would have a variety feel to it because we both are singers and, and musical performers. But we shot this presentation, you know, very like uh, Regis and Kelly and with a coffee cup in front of a thing. And then this sort of bit out on the street. And it was really fantastic. And you got the two completely different versions of going through life. And what he goes through life as a gay man and what I go through life as a straight man. But how our ideas come together and our philosophies about life really coincide. It's really nice. And how about your mom? Do you think we might see her back on Broadway again? Is she getting enough fun out of this? You know, she's getting fun. I don't know if, if I mean, her, her initial fears, although, like I said, she's overcome them, about the eight-show-a-week process. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she will ultimately want to do that again. I mean, she's, she's, she's in it, and she's in the groove, and she likes it. But it's been a big upheaval for her to bring, you know, like I said, her dog and my stepfather and to leave her home in mm-hmm. California. She's very settled in there. But at, at, right now, she's loving it. Maybe I can con her into doing a play. What does she do in her spare time in California? She loves to, you know, she she has a house in Big Bear. She uh-huh. goes to Big Bear all the beautiful time. It's a beautiful house. Yeah. And she, lo- she loves to go up there. And, and she becomes very domestic. You know, she mm. cooks and she and she hangs out and she goes to the lake and she loves to read and watches a lot of the, uh, the um, you know, the the, mo- the classic movie channel and stuff. So uh-huh. she's she's really, like, you know, settling in her older age. Uh, very great. 
Well, Patrick, thank you. Thank for you. It's a pleasure. To today. It's great to have you back in New York. Thank you. Your, good to see for you. For your 12th again. rental uh, apartment. <laughs> thank and, you. And you too, John. And through you. August 1st uh, at uh, the Ford Center on 42nd Street in 42nd Street. Patrick Cassidy. Patrick, thank you very, very much. My pleasure. Thank you. For Downstage Center, I'm John Von Susten. I'm Howard Sherman from the American Theater Wing. And please join us again next time. Thank you.